This is the sermon podcast for Mosaic Church in Albuquerque, New Mexico. Committed to bringing the beauty of the gospel of Jesus to the broken places of our lives. Uh, well, uh, if you've been around our church um, this summer, uh, you'll, you'll know that we just finished uh, an extensive, really, series of preaching through an Old Testament book called Exodus. So thank you for uh, laboring through that with, with us. Um, it, was, uh, it was a long journey. We, we did a lot of preaching there. Um, and so this morning, we're, we're heading in a new direction and it's, it's new, but it's, it's also familiar. Um, and so in, in Exodus, we left where God's people were on a mountain. Uh, it's called Mount Sinai, which is where God delivered uh, what's commonly uh, termed the Ten Commandments. Uh, and we, we left where God's people were, were packing up uh, camp and heading out of Mount Sinai. And now we're actually we're going to travel uh, through time into the New Testament era uh, back to another mountain. Um, uh, there, there is uh, speculation as to which mountain this was. In fact, most people think it was a more of a hill than a mountain. Um, I love when people in Arizona talk about all their splendid mountains when they're more like you know like little hills. Camelback Mountain it feels like a hill to me. Um, and so we're going to look at a series of verses uh, that's recorded in our English Bibles from the book of Matthew. So if you're, if you're following along in a, in a Bible, paper or digital, you can open to the book of Matthew. Uh, these are recorded in chapter 5. And this section, uh, the, the whole section is chapters 5 through 7. Um, and it's, it is commonly referred to as Jesus' Sermon on the Mount. These are the words um, that Jesus um, set out to publicly declare um, as his public ministry began. And so at this point, uh, Jesus is you know, approximately 30 years old. Um, he's been baptized with the blessing of God the Father, anointed for the ministry. He's been sent out into the wilderness to be tempted by Satan. He has uh, defeated that temptation, and now he... Uh, has begun healing uh, people, um, and so word is traveling about this Jesus, and then he shows up on this mountain as a new prophet, uh, and it would have paralleled uh, very much uh, the book of Exodus. So Jesus arrives, and he he's the new Moses, um, proclaiming a new covenant uh, about a new kingdom that's coming. And he delivers these words to us. And we're going to look at um, just the opening verses of chapter 5 that are, that are also commonly referred to as the Beatitudes. And um, so we're going to look at those one by one uh, for the next, uh, there's, there's eight of them. And so we'll, we'll, look at, we'll look at each of those in turn. And so this morning we're going to look at the first one. Um, but before, before we read the passage, um, let, me, let me segue into the reading of the passage uh, this way. Uh, we, we recently um, upgraded our vehicle a little bit, um, and, and by upgrade, I mean it's, it's no longer a 16-year vehicle. It's now just a 10-year-old vehicle, um, and with that little bit of an upgrade came, uh, came the Bluetooth uh, scenario. So Bluetooth apparently was invented around 2010, I guess, and so this, uh, this stock stereo that's in our new vehicle, new-to-us vehicle, has Bluetooth 
And, you know, when, if, if you've ever been around a Bluetooth vehicle, you, you, you'd like it to seamlessly pair, right? You, you just, just kind of want turn your phone on, like hit a button, it pairs, and, and all of a sudden you're streaming music and, and enjoying, you know, your life in, in a modern world. Not the case for us. Um, I have spent hours on end trying to get my phone to pair to this new vehicle. Um, I've done internet research. Um, so all you IT techs who just tell me to Google research it, I've done that. And apparently this is, this is a notorious problem with this particular make and model vehicle and this stereo. And so to date, I'm, I'm still not able to stream my music. However, um, something happened the other day. I, I did hop in to the car and, and I got a call and all of a sudden it was coming through the speakers and so it said, like, Bluetooth connection successful. And I thought, what in the world? So I thought, great, this is fantastic. It's finally working. So I, I, you know, did not take the call while driving, but I, you know, I saw that. But I tried to stream music at that point, and the music doesn't work. And so the, the Bluetooth connection is successful, right? Like, my phone is, is connected. Um, yet the, the, the primary reason why I want Bluetooth um, is unsuccessful. Like the subversive, you know, meaning of Bluetooth to stream your music primarily is irrelevant to me. These opening beatitudes of Jesus might be like that for some of you. It's like you're connected, right? Like Bluetooth connection successful. You, you hear Jesus' teachings. You're embracing them. You've been around them. You're familiar with them but you're kind of missing the whole point of it. And over the next eight weeks, it is my deepest desire um, for you to have an intimate, close connection with Jesus Christ in these words. Because more than ever, I believe that these opening words of the Lord Jesus um, are the words that ought to dictate our living. I am, I'm convinced, I'm convinced that this is God's method for transforming the entire world. The blessed way that Jesus describes in Matthew chapter 5. Let me read uh, the opening verses. I'll, I'll read a little bit of context and then the first beatitude. Matthew chapter 5 beginning in verse 1. Seeing the crowds... Jesus went up on the mountain, and when he sat down, his disciples came to him, and he opened his mouth and taught them, saying, Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Let's pray together. Jesus, we, we hear your words, and we believe them to be true. But it's, it's, it's really challenging for us to connect them uh, to the interior of our lives. And we need your help. Lord, I, I'm convinced that these are so much more than religious platitudes for us to parade around. I believe that this is what the new world order entails. I believe that this is what your kingdom looks like. So would you help us, this small group of your followers that gather 
in this little private park Sunday after Sunday? Would you help us to hear your voice in them and for us to be drawn closer to you through them? And I pray these things in your name. Amen. Uh, It's a very popular, I would say, in vogue thing right now, particularly in the middle of a global pandemic, to talk about uh, mental health and emotional awareness or emotional health. And uh, in my own life, I've been doing a lot of this work for the past couple of years, just kind of having some uh, what we would call emotional intelligence, like naming, you know, what we're feeling. Uh, in fact, this, this weekend, we spent some time with some of the leaders of our church, uh, the elders and the, and the deacons that we're training and, and staff team and some other folks uh, working through a, a workshop on relationships and team dy- dynamics, which has to do with you know, your emotional life and, and things like that. And, and actually in this workshop, and I'd been introduced to this uh, before, but uh, the guy that was leading the workshop for us talked about uh, what's called a feelings chart or a feelings wheel. Um, he found a good one for us on, it's called, it's at feelingswheel.com. So if you're looking for a little afternoon internet browsing, I'd, I'd uh, recommend that to your, to your uh, reading. Uh, but, the, but the idea behind a, a feelings wheel or a, an emotional chart is for you to be able to put language or name or vocabulary uh, behind, you know, our emotional life. And, you know, as a, as a now 40-year-old man, I, I realize how little language I have had for my interior life. And we're trying to help our, our kids be a little bit more healthy in that department. And so um, as I was looking through the feelings chart, <laughs> rare that I would start a sermon like that, um, there's kind of the the big feelings that all of us can name, right? There's surprised, bad, fearful, angry, disgusted, um, and then there's happy and sad that are right next to each other on the the chart. And and I read through the sad ones, and I'm going to read them for you in a minute. Um, And and they capture what, what I think Jesus is after here. When Jesus says, here's where happiness comes from, because that's one translation of, of blessed. If you want happiness, and, and I think, you know, an alternative translation that I'm going to offer, and that's the, kind of the name of this sermon series, is wholehearted. If you want to have a wholehearted life, like if you want to do what Jesus said that we're supposed to be doing, loving the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength, and loving your neighbor likewise, if you want to have a whole heart, um, then you must be poor in spirit. And poverty, the, the idea of having a, an impoverished heart, um, is like this. Th- this would be some alternative translations that you could, you could insert. Lonely, vulnerable, despairing, guilty, depressed, hurt, isolated, abandoned, victimized, fragile, Grief, powerless, ashamed, remorseful, empty, inferior, disappointed, and embarrassed. Now, now that's, a, that's a grocery list of feelings, right? That's a lot. Um, but here, here's, here's what Jesus is saying. If you want a whole heart, if you want to live the abundant life that I'm offering you, then you have to feel your need. 
In fact, he's, he's, he even goes ov- over the top and says, only people who feel their need are in the kingdom of God. Exclusively. If you don't feel your need, you are not in the kingdom of God. And so the question that I want to you know, present to us this morning, and, and, and here's what I know, because I, you know, we're a small enough church, and I know, I know most of you, I don't know all of you, but like we run the spectrum, right? Like I, I know there are people here who, who feel their needs so deeply right now, like incredibly raw right now. And then, and then I think there are others of you who, who either are currently not feeling your need and maybe never have felt your need. And then there's, you know, everyone in between that. And so the, the invitation of the first beatitude is for you to begin to peel back the layers of your interior life and to feel the need, whether it's for the first time or, or for the thousandth time. Because what Jesus is suggesting is that the way to happiness is through your sadness. That the only way you'll get the riches of the kingdom is through the poverty of your heart. That the only way that you'll feel the satisfaction, right, this is you too. You know, I still haven't found what I'm looking for. The only way you will find what you're looking for is when you stop looking for it everywhere else and you feel the poverty inside of you. And here's the problem. The problem is we are incredibly resourceful people. And because we have so many resources, and when I say resources, I don't just mean money, but I do mean money. We, we, we have so many resources at our fingertips, and here's what we use our resources for. To protect feeling the sadness, right? Like that is, that is by and large what we use our wealth, our connections, our social life, we use all of it to protect ourselves from feeling what's actually going on inside of us. And so the, you know, the solution to that, and, and please hear this as an invitation this morning, is to begin removing those layers of protection and to feel your poverty. Because the only way to be close with God is through having a poor heart. It's the only way. Jesus in no uncertain terms is saying, if you want happiness, if you want wholeness, if you want satisfaction, you have to feel your poverty. And in order to feel your poverty, uh, you must feel your, your dependence, right? That's what poverty produces in us. When you're, when you're out of resources, you have nothing left, that's when you're dependent, and that's what God's after. And here's, here's what I want you to be curious about in your life because here's the thing about the God of the Bible. He's ruthless in the most loving way. He's ruthless in the most loving way in that he will design and strategize all kinds of ways to get you to feel your need. You know, he will bring hardship into your life in order to feel your need because he loves you. He will, he, will bring, he will bring job loss. He will bring uh, rebellious children. <laughs> he will bring conflict in friendships and relationships and family. He will bring physical 
hardship into your life because he loves you so much. If that's what it takes to get to the sad parts of your life, he will do it. So this morning, uh, if you're interested, and, and maybe you're not, but if you're interested in having some level of closeness with God, if the desire for intimacy, like having this, this sense that no matter what is going on in my life, I know I have God, if that's something that might interest you, here's two things you need to consider from the passage today. First, you need to look at the poverty of your own heart, and then you need to look at the wealth of God's kingdom. So the poverty of your heart and then the wealth of God's kingdom. Let's, let's talk about the poverty of the heart. Uh, there are two words in the New Testament uh, that uh, two words for the word poor that can be translated poor. Um, the first word uh, describes someone who's, uh, who doesn't own land, so they have to work extra hard. Um, so if, if you weren't given an inheritance, land to live on and to, and to cultivate, uh, you had to work really hard. That's one word. The other word is a word that just describes absolute destitution, despair. Hard work isn't enough. That's the word Jesus uses. He says, listen, unless you're destitute, the kingdom's not yours. You, must be, you can't be hardworking. You know, he's not describing a, a religious program to sign up for. He's saying you have to be at the end of yourself. You have to be despairing if you're going to be in my kingdom. And um, you, you, you remember, um, remember Jesus' teaching. Maybe you don't. Let me remind you of Jesus' teaching. Uh, he talked about how difficult it was for rich people to get into heaven, right? He says, how difficult it is for, for the rich people to inherit the kingdom of God. It's easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle, right? He was using extreme, uh, you know, f- pictures, right? It's easier for a, a large animal to go through the tiny eye of a needle than to get into the, the kingdom of heaven. Why is that? Well, the, re- the reason is um, he wasn't saying no rich people will be in heaven, some of you are, 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 I mean, really all of us are rich, like in the, in the scheme of the world, in the history of the world. So he's not saying if you have money, you can't get into heaven. What he is saying is it's incredibly hard for you to detach from your life, to let things go if you have a lot of wealth. And, and if you remember, Jesus' summary of that teaching was not like, hey, good luck, rich people. He said, well, with man, it's impossible, but with God, all things are possible. So if you're wealthy it's going to be incredibly hard for you to feel your poverty. That's just, that's what Jesus was teaching. And that's why a lot of his teachings were, hey, if you want to follow me, you got to get rid of it all, right? Rich man, if you, want to, if you want to follow me, here's what you have to do. Sell everything you have and then give it away and then come follow me. Because you have to, det- you have, to have a detachment from your life in order to belong to the kingdom. So, so Jesus begins teaching us that the less attached you are to your life, the more dependent you are to him. The less attached you are to your children, to your job, to your savings account, to your spending account, to your vehicle upgrades, you know, the less attached you are to those things, you know, so if you lose one, then you're, you're attached to him. I mean, some of you have grieved the loss of a child. Like there, that is like one of the worst grievances you can experience on earth. And so what Jesus is saying is if, if you, if you want to be in my kingdom, you have to have a poor heart. You have to be detached from your life. Um, because here's, here's the currency in God's kingdom economy. The currency is surrender and dependence, always. 
Jesus is always saying, you have to lay it down. You have to have me. You cannot have both, right? You can't love God and love money. You can have money, but you can't love it. You can't be attached to it. You must be attached to me. I must be your ultimate thing, is what Jesus is suggesting. Because, I mean, you know, the, if, if you think about what poverty is, you know, when you, when you don't have any, any money and you don't have any connections and you don't have any resources, what happens is, is you end up having no support and you have no security. You know, for those of us that have, I mean, if you've come to the end of a month and ran out of money, you know what that feels like. Like you just, you just have nothing. You're absolutely dependent. And Jesus is saying that's where everybody has to be. You can have money in your bank account, but you can't be attached to it, right? If you want to see Jesus's heart, if you want to be an intimate, up-close look, he must be the thing you're attached to, okay? So, so here's a question. What is it that keeps us from feeling our poverty? What is it that keeps you from, from having a willingness to, to you know, go there? What is it from, from that, that it's just the thing that you avoid most? What is it? And my, my, my suggestion would be that it's pride. Because, you know, pride or, you know, alternative could be like self-sufficiency, right? It says, you know, we're, we're, we're proud of all kinds of things. We have economic pride, right? Like I've worked so hard. I've built this business up from my own hands, I've provided for my children and my children's children, and look at all that I've done, right? I've been saving my 401k since I've been in my 20s, and I'm just, that thing's racked up, and I'm ready, you know, like, we're, we're killing it. I'm doing great, right? Like, that, that, that sense of, and you might not talk like that, you don't, but you think like that. That's, that's how you operate inside. And so what Jesus is saying, like, you cannot have economic pride, you cannot put your trust and dependence on that. Again, he's not saying you can't have a 401k. He's not saying you can't take care of your grandchildren. He's not saying you can't work hard. But what he's saying is you can't trust in that. Your heart must feel its poverty because markets crash and children die. And he's saying, listen, if, if you are attached to that, then you're not attached to me. We have social pride. Right, so reputation. Right? I mean, you know, we, we, we love status and power and influence. We love letters behind our names that show our education. You know, like, like those things are things that we pride ourselves on. Look at what I've done. I'm doing great. And, and yeah, God's helped me. You know, like, like that's the Christian part of it, right? Is like we make, we kind of make God an appendix to the life that we love. And what Jesus is saying is you can't, have, you can't be prideful like that. You, you must attach to me, not who you are or what you've done or where you're going. I have to be the thing. Another thing uh, that we're really proud of is our intellect. We have intellectual pride. And particularly in churches of our persuasion, we love theological um, precision. And quite honestly, we think we have it right all the time. And there's this air of arrogance around people of our persuasion um, that is very prideful. And Jesus, you know, again, this, these beatitudes are entirely upside down. This makes no sense. Blessed are the p- poor spirits, the meek, the mourners, 
people who are hated, insulted, it makes no intellectual sense. And what you see in Jesus is this particular desire um, for the needy, right? Who, who, who was he largely targeting? The poor, the widow, the orphan, the tax collector, and the prostitute. People who had no pride in themselves. People who had nothing. Because his gospel was the thing that saved them. And so the people that had trouble with his message were who? It was the religious leaders. It was the church attenders, right? It was the tithers. It was the the people that were at every church program event. Those are the people who who heard Jesus' message, and, and it went against the grain of their life. And Jesus was saying, listen, you have to feel your poverty. You must feel the poverty of your heart if you want to be in my kingdom. So let's look at the kingdom then. What's, what's the wealth of, of God's kingdom? Um, he, he, here's what it is. It, it's hidden wealth. You know, I haven't had this happen to me yet. Maybe it's happened to you. But it, it would be like that, you know, long-lost, estranged aunt that you've never heard of um, leaving you you know, this incredible inheritance, you know, that you, you had no idea was coming your way. It wasn't expected. You weren't entitled to it. You weren't, pre- you know, prepared for it. Um, again, it hasn't happened to me. Probably hasn't happened to you either. But, like, I'm sure there's stories where it happened. But that's, that's kind of what Jesus is saying here. He's saying, listen, if you think you have any amount any shred of entitlement to this wealth, you missed it. This wealth, is, this wealth is unexpected. It's hidden, and it's freely given, and it, it's only available to the poor in spirit. And in fact, the way, you know, I don't, I don't always like to get bogged down in the, the Greek jargon, um, but the way the passage lays out, it says, and our English translations do a good job bringing it out, it says, theirs is the kingdom of, God, of heaven. Not the kingdom of heaven is theirs. What he's saying is, by putting it up front, he's saying theirs and only theirs is the kingdom. Only the poor in spirit are in this kingdom. And he's also, you know, Jesus is not saying, blessed are the poor in spirit, therefore theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Because if there was, you know, if it was therefore, what he would be suggesting is you, you have to make yourself poor in spirit. You have to do something. And he's not suggesting that. He's making statements. If you're poor in spirit, then the kingdom of heaven is yours. And only if you're poor in spirit is the kingdom of heaven yours. That's the only people that are qualified for this kingdom. Uh, Jesus, uh, early on and and frequently throughout his ministry, had a a one-liner. He had... He had a one-liner that he was going around saying, and, and the one-liner was, uh, repent and believe, for the kingdom of God is at hand. That's, what, that's the message he came with, and that's the message that he frequently uh, delivered and communicated to people. And, you know, I don't know what you have in your mind for the word repentance, um, but, but the word, it literally means, if you literally break down the word, it means um, turning away from your mind, metanoia. 
a turning away from your mind. In other words, you have to move beyond your critical mind. And, and you all know the critical mind. I'm not going to get into like all the, the neurobiology of it. But the, the critical mind is the mind that says, there's no way it could be like this. There's just no way. Jesus must want something more from me. He must want me to put it together a little bit to kind of clean up my act. I must, have to, I must have to do something. Like to repent and believe means to turn away from your critical mind that says I've done something to get into this kingdom and then to believe, a, a good alternative translation there would be to, to trust. He's saying turn away from the way you think it is and then fall on me for the way it is. Turn away from what your mind says makes sense and then trust me that this is the actual way. It's entirely counterintuitive. It goes against every grain and every fiber of your being. This is the way the kingdom of heaven works. You must be poor in spirit to get in. And so what, what we see happening in Jesus' ministry is his, him bringing the future of the kingdom into the present of the now. He's ripping heaven and bringing it on earth. You know, that, that's what all of these healings that he's doing are. He's saying, in the new world order, there is no more sickness, dying, and pain, and suffering, and hardship. He's saying, in the new kingdom, I'm the one who rules over all things. He's taking uh, the, the future, and he's bringing it to the now. And he's saying, the kingdom of heaven's here. It's at hand. He doesn't say it's coming. He doesn't say it will be. He says, listen, there are people that are living now that will see the fullness of the kingdom of God coming. And that's not to say that there's not a future orientation of it. There is. But what he's saying is this is the way the kingdom works now. Here's how wholehearted kingdom people live. They're impoverished. And what do impoverished people do? They hold on tight. They cling to their one source of life because they know it's the only way of living. And some of you here today are in some of the darkest places of your life. I know that. And some of you are are aimlessly looking for where could God be in the middle of all this and I'm telling you right now, he's with you. And, you know, what Jesus is recommending is for us to have this sense of need that is almost constant. And, and I'm up here not saying I've got that figured out. But, but what I am saying is that, like, what Jesus is recommending is that there is a constant clinging to him. That when you feel yourself attached to something else to relieve you from the pain, be it Netflix or bourbon or football or whatever your, your numbing agent of choice is, cling closely. Because in that pain that you're trying to avoid is the Lord. He wants you to feel that And in feeling that, you will feel him. That's what he's after. And the riches of the kingdom is is this. 
every time you actually feel your poverty, Jesus Christ is saying this, yours is the kingdom. Every time you feel your pain, Jesus Christ is saying, you belong to my kingdom. Every time you feel hardship coming, you feel hatred headed your way, you're unseen, you're overlooked, underappreciated, Jesus is saying, you are in my kingdom now. Because though the world may not see it, this is the way it is. The new world is yours now. Let me close, let me close with this. Um, I, I know you all are always hanging on a cliff for my next television show recommendation. Um, and I mentioned this one a little while back. I think a couple of you picked up on it. Uh, Ted Lasso. It's on Apple Plus. You have to have that. Um, I, I got a free subscription to that somehow, some way. Anyway, Ted Lasso, I'd recommend it. Um, and uh, Ted Lasso season one was all about Ted Lasso, the main character. He's a he's a American who went over to, uh, to I think it's in London, uh, to Great Britain, and uh, he's coaching a soccer team. Anyway, season two is about one of these soccer players. He's kind of an old, washed up, um, formerly uh, amazing soccer player. His name's Roy Kent, and he's he's carrying season two. Uh, season two is all about Roy Kent, really, and uh, I I. I I'm not often up very late at night, um, but I was up a little later than usual uh, at one point this week, and I turned on Jimmy Kimmel, and Jimmy Kimmel was was interviewing, I think his name's Brett Goldstein, if I'm not mistaken, uh, the, the actor who plays Roy Kent, and the interview was great. Uh, you know, anybody with a British accent, you know, they could, they could read me the phone book, and I'd be mesmerized probably, but... Um, do we even have phone books anymore? They could, like, read uh, the, anything to me, and I'll, and I'll be mesmerized, but... Jimmy Kimmel was interviewing this actor, and he was just talking about the you know the character, and th- I guess there's there's this um, theory, conspiracy theory on the internet that uh, that Roy Kent, the character in the show, was a computer generated image that he wasn't a real person, and I guess that was floating around for a long time because he he was just under the radar and he wasn't a big deal or whatever. So they, they, there was this big conspiracy theory that they had created this character through computer generation is, you know, he's all chiseled and he's got a perfect beard and he's really easy on the eyes, you know, all the things. And uh, anyway, so they, they, they dismissed that myth that he's computer generated because he was there in person. Uh, but the other thing that I learned about him and, and, and I loved was that he's a writer on the show. Um, and he, he talks about how this character was developing in the first few episodes. Um, he, he hadn't made an appearance yet, but by the fifth episode, he was supposed to make, make his appearance. And he decided to write himself into the show. And he, he talked about how he, like, recorded a video of him doing a scene and sent it to all the other writers and said, hey, you know, if this is terrible, just delete it and forget it ever happened. But they loved it. And uh, so he, he writes himself into the show, and he's, he's amazing. He's great, he's great at it. The, the incredible thing about the God of the Bible is that he wrote himself into the story. Because God becomes what he loves. And so God could have come with the message of repentance and belief and salvation by means of power, by means of domination, by means of war, 
by means of you know, righteous reckoning of the wicked immediately, no mercy. But God writes himself into the story in the person of Jesus Christ. And Jesus was the poor in spirit. He was economically poor. He was, you know, birds have nests and foxes have holes. But the Son of Man had nowhere to lay his head. He was socially poor. He had no reputation to stand on. He was mocked, trivialized. The Old Testament tells us that he was probably not a very good-looking man. And he was, he was intellectually impoverished. Not meaning he was not a smart man. I mean, he, he's the divine one. He knew all things. But he didn't hold arrogance over those who did not know the truth. You see Jesus interact with people who were naive, ignorant, and unknowing. And he's the kindest man you've ever seen. And so what we see in God writing himself into the story is the way the kingdom works. And the way the kingdom works is that people who have been utterly disturbed by their neediness fall on him. That they stop looking to their own self-sufficiency and strength that they stop trying to hold up all the strings of their life together when the economic demands are overwhelming, when the social onslaught of your reputation is crushing, when you've come to the end of yourself and you fall on him, yours is the kingdom of heaven. And the invitation this morning is for whether the first time or the thousandth time is to fall on him. Is to feel your absolute need and dependence on the only one who can satisfy your aching heart. Your exhausted, tired, depleted, despairing heart has a savior. And his name is Jesus Christ that he would help us to be people that live like that, that can peel the way of our self-sufficiency and be poor in spirit. Let's pray together. Jesus, your way is so not like ours. Lord, we are inclined to pull ourselves up by the bootstraps to be self-sufficient, to be everything to everyone all the time. Lord, we have a hard time having limits in our life, saying no to people and things. And Lord, I, I just know I'm not alone in feeling despair. Like the psalmist, how long, O Lord? And so, Lord, I, I, I pray for, for those that are, that are in, in hearing of this, of this sermon, of your word, uh, that they would feel their despair. 
that you would pull away the layers of self-sufficiency and self-righteousness and arrogance and pride and that you would let us get to the core of what's actually going on inside of us and that we would feel, even if just for a moment, hopeless and that in our hopelessness and despair and our loneliness and our vulnerability, Lord, that we would find you right there with us because, Lord, we believe with all of our heart that blessed are the poor in spirit for ours is the kingdom of heaven. We pray these things in your name. Amen. This is the sermon podcast for Mosaic Church in Albuquerque, New Mexico. Committed to bringing the beauty of the gospel of Jesus to the broken places of our lives. 